0: Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. John 8.32. John 8.32. So we're talking about freedom and how to live in freedom. So this is kind of Freedom Conference start or kickoff. Um, And what I'm wanting to talk about is some foundational truths about grace and the Christian life, which I believe will impact all of us. Um, So don't look at it as oversimplified, look at it as something that God wants you to hear because you're here, and He knew you would be here. Amen? So John 8, 32, Jesus says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is a great verse that uh, is often botched up uh, by a lot of people, because... um, just looking at it the wrong way. Like, so I, I sat with a guy once, he was messed up in a whole lot of areas and he was struggling with a whole lot of things. And I remember we were sitting here in Cape Town City and uh, uh, he said, I, and he's been to different ministry schools and, and, uh, uh, and I'm trying to help him understand grace. And he's just like, I know all of this. I know all of this. I suppose it's not about uh, knowing more stuff. I just need to do it now. And as he said that, I kind of walked away and I was like, that doesn't make too much sense to me and I had to kind of think about it and a couple of hours later maybe because I'm just a little bit slow uh, at times i i realized that that he was putting his effort into it whereas freedom doesn't take your effort he was wanting to be free from some of the things that he was struggling with and he wanted to put his effort into it because he had all this head knowledge. But what Jesus is saying is, you'll know the truth, and you won't do the truth. Although we have to do, we have to step out in it. We, there's a part to play. But Jesus is saying, you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So it's, there's something to do with what we know that's really important. Okay. The Greek word for truth can also be uh, translated as reality. So you'll know the reality and the reality will set you free, okay? We need to be embracing the reality of what Christianity means to us, like what, what, it, what it's supposed to mean. And when we embrace the reality, it, it will cause us to have more freedom in our lives. Now you might be thinking, what do you mean by freedom? Okay, and we'll get into that, but very quickly, freedom from sin, freedom from, from uh, negative emotions, freedom from... Uh, all sorts of things, the, the power of the enemy, freedom from sometimes ourselves. Uh, but the more truth or reality we embrace, the more freedom we'll walk in. The more truth or reality we, face, uh, we embrace, the more freedom we're going to walk in. Yeah, the, more, the, the lies that we are still believe are the things that are holding us in bondage. So if there's bondage in your life, it's not that you, you, you might be saying, but I know the truth, I know this, I know that. You might not be seeing breakthrough, but it's like there's a reason, and it's probably a lie. It's, it's probably not anything else. So in this series, and you know, we're going to be digging into the Word, and we're going to discover what the root of the bondages are. And it's all focusing in on identity. So we, all we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks is focusing in on identity in Christ. Okay? True freedom is, uh, uh, or or let me say it like this, freedom Jesus' way is not about your efforts. Freedom is, is, is about what we believe. It's not behavior modification. God doesn't want you to focus on changing your behavior. Okay, that's what religion focuses on. But Christianity, God wants us to focus in on what we believe. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So it's like the right life, living the right life, a good life, doesn't come from trying. It comes from believing. Okay, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the way that we live is is determined by what we believe. So we've got to make sure we're believing right. And uh, as right as you think you are, if there's bondage in any area of your life, even if it's just a lack of joy a lack of peace. It's probably because of a lie. And the beauty of it is, is as we get into the Word, the the light of God's Word shines into those dark places, exposes lies, and if we choose to embrace the truth that He shows us, we can walk in freedom. If we choose not to, what happens? We stay in bondage. And it even makes our hearts more calloused against the truth, so it's more difficult to walk in truth. So, Living in freedom is about a continual mind renewal. It's continually embracing truth. Can anyone think of what you call that? Continually changing your way of thinking. Continually uh, embracing truth. What, what, there's one word that we love to use for that, but we always define it wrong. What? No. Repentance. <laughs> when we think of repentance, we think of stopping sin and, and doing something else. But the word repentance from the original purely means changing your mind, changing your way of thinking, changing what you believe. So changing your beliefs will cause you to change your life. We need to start living from the inside out. That's true spirituality. Okay, And, and what, what, what that means for us in this, this series is starting to, to, to see how we are uh, 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 eternally loved eternally forgiven, and cleansed by Jesus. So we give our attention to not what we see, but what is unseen. Okay, go to Second Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to read verse 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us in a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So it says there, we give attention to. Yeah? Uh, uh, we, we need to give our attention to. We need to focus in on it saying the things that are not seen, because the th- things that are not seen are eternal. Okay? When it comes to identity, you know, wh- what you believe about yourself is the most important thing in your life. It's, what's the most important thing in your life isn't what God believes about you, because a lot of us don't believe what God believes about us, and so it doesn't help us. But if we choose to believe a lie, that's going to be the most powerful thing in our lives. If we choose to believe God's truth about us, then that's the most powerful thing in our lives. So we need to give attention to the things that are unseen with regard to identity. Because identity is vital. Why is it vital? Well, look at it like this. With regard to to, um, uh, identity, what often happens is we will focus in on what we're doing or what we're not doing. We'll focus in on what we should be doing. We'll, we'll, we'll see ourselves make a, a mistake and fail, and then we'll call ourselves a failure. So we're judging ourselves by what's seen. okay? Whereas God's judging us by what's unseen. You can't see righteousness. But if you're a believer, He's made you righteous. Perfectly righteous, which means that even though you've made a mistake, He's still looking at your, your true identity, which is righteousness of God. Okay, we are, you know, what, so we need to ask ourselves the question, what am I giving my attention to? You know, am I uh, 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 focusing just on the natural, am I focused in on what God's word says about me? Because most of us would have bondage in our lives in some area because there's a lie we believe about ourselves. Not because... Of any other reason, really, whatever those reasons might be, except that that we're not believing a truth. There's a truth that we're missing. Most Christians live in bondage because they don't really know what true Christianity is. A lot of Christians live in bondage because they're treating Christianity like a religion and not life. A lot of Christians are are, are, are living in bondage and not enjoying the freedom that God's got for them because they don't know what happened to them when they received Jesus and became a Christian. Everything changed that day. Everything changed. So now you need to realize what changed so that you can enjoy that change. Okay, so we're going to look at some key ideas and then in the coming weeks we're going to focus in on a few identities like uh, uh, the, the fact that we are are clean, we are are free, we are forgiven. And we're going to dig dig deep into those things. But just as an overview and an introduction for this evening, Romans chapter 1. Let's go there first. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes we can pause there it's a, it's really powerful if you think about it it's saying for everyone who believes and so again the, the writer paul's bringing it down to the fact the level of our beliefs it's not about what we do it's about what we believe what we believe will determine how we live okay but it's saying i will not. Uh, i'm not ashamed of the gospel of christ gospel of christ it's the power of god unto salvation so the good news or the word gospel literally means good news or glad tidings. It's talking about victory, it's talking about freedom from captivity. That's what it's talking about. Paul's using this word to describe what Jesus accomplished for us. It's good news what he did for us. Okay? If the gospel is ever presented to you and it doesn't sound like good news, it's probably not the gospel. The gospel is good news about what Jesus has done for us and what that means for us. Like, what has He made you because you are receiving, Okay, despite our sins and the fact that we deserve judgment, God has made available to us through Jesus complete forgiveness. Complete forgiveness. I mean, when you're, when you're a believer now, you can experience complete forgiveness. Complete meaning complete. Like, you're not lacking any area of forgiveness. You're completely forgiven. Complete redemption, complete salvation, without your effort. That's the good news. The good news is you don't have to do anything, you just believe. Okay? Paul uses this word, as I said, to describe the finished work, what what Jesus has done for us. Jesus also used this word, gospel, to to describe his ministry. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse... uh, 18 says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor so to preach the good news to the poor when he says poor there he's not talking about no money when he says poor there he's talking about like what Matthew chapter 5 says poor in spirit what's poor in spirit you're an unbeliever You, you you're poor in spirit you don't have the spirit of God living in you you lack something you lack life. And you need that life. And how do you get that life? Believing in what Jesus has done for you. So, you know, through the... the, the, the this word, the gospel, is, is, is important for us to know with regard to our topic. Because the gospel is the message that we hear and it's the message that we believe that causes a radical change in our lives. Because we hear this message. Okay. But we need to know what the gospel is and what the gospel's not, because very unfortunate, a lot of what's presented is not gospel. If it's good news, it could be gospel. If it's bad news, it's not gospel. So focusing on hell is never gospel. Amen. But focusing on the solution is the, is gospel. Focusing on what Christ has done for us, not the fact that we we're, we're, you're a horrible wretched sinner you know focusing on the reality of this is what he's done for you and freely offers you because of this is where you were that's good news but sometimes we're focusing in on the wrong thing the gospel is not that you hear about jesus you believe in jesus you love jesus and you serve jesus you die for jesus that's that's religious I'll read it again. The gospel is not that you heard this message about Jesus. Now you believe this message about Jesus. Now you have to love Jesus. Now you have to serve Jesus. Now you must die for Jesus. That's focused in on yourself still. And it's focused in on your efforts still. The gospel is that Jesus reached out to you. Jesus provided salvation for you. Like he, he made the first move. So he died and he rose for you so that you could have perfect Friendship with Him. Perfect union with Him. Christianity is about oneness with God. So oneness with God means like you're one with Jesus, meaning you're in your spirit you're united with Him. Okay, And that united with Him uh, it can never be changed. He came down in order to bring us up. The Gospel says that the blood of Jesus paid for your, your, your debt. It says that the blood of Jesus washed away all your sin. And now because of this, you have perfect righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God. I like the definition for righteousness, which says it's being able to stand in the presence of God without any feeling of inferiority. Now, yes, you are inferior to God, but you're also just like Him. You're not God, but you're just like Him. But if you're standing face to face with him, or if you're in his presence, which we always are, we just don't acknowledge it and realize it. But if, we re- if we're coming into a, a situation, let's say, where you were standing with him, like I'm standing in front of you right now, you read through the Bible, and most people in the Old Testament, their natural response is falling flat on their face. They even say, Woe is me, they're fearful. Yeah, the, the, there's a whole lot of negative responses. But the the reality is, is that we should be able to stand boldly in His presence, because as He is, so are we in this world. We should be able to stand boldly because we know that He's made us 100% right with Him. I mean, think about that for a moment. Most of us don't feel 100% right. Never mind God. (laughs) We don't feel 100% right in ourselves, and then when we come into relationship with God, and we're bringing it to that level, we don't feel right with Him, because we don't feel right by ourselves. But because of your relationship with Jesus now, you're 100% right with Him. 100% of the time. Romans chapter 10, verse 15 says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. The gospel is a good message which brings great joy. Think back to Christmas now. The Christmas message, Luke chapter two, the angels appear to the shepherds. Okay, and I'm going to add in my commentary: the shepherds wet themselves because of the angels who are singing. Or who are, or, or, you know, they say, "What do they say?" We behold, we fear not. They say, "Why?" Because they were fearful. That's why I say they wet themselves. If you were in the middle of the the the, the, the fields in the dark, looking after a bunch of sheep, and suddenly an angel appeared, you would wet yourself too. (laughs) Okay? So just just think about that. So now, you've got um, these angels, and what do they say? Behold, we bring you glad tidings of great joy, which are for all people. So the gospel is a message which should make us happy. But you have to ask yourself, are you truly happy? Because some Christians aren't. And it's because they're not focused in on the gospel of what Jesus has done for them. They usually focus on something else. So the gospel is the message that we hear that brings us salvation. Okay, what is, or let me say the and the message of salvation is the, what the good news is announcing. Yes, you know, throughout the New Testament, you're going to see. Gospel referred to as the gospel of peace, the gospel of grace, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the gospel of your salvation. Romans chapter 16, which we looked at, says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So the gospel is a message of God rescuing us. Most religions focus in on, this is what you have to do. But Christianity focuses on, this is what he's done for you. And now we believe in that and it transforms our lives. Now it transforms our lives, it changes us and we're trying to live in the flesh. We're trying to live and and, and accomplish something still when it's actually still by the Spirit that, that, that we should be growing. Salvation is the gift of eternal life, which is God's Spirit coming to dwell in us. And that's the reality that we've got to come awaken to and realize more and more and more. But the Gospel... Is primarily the message of salvation by grace through faith. So let's look at the word grace for a moment. It means unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. It's uh, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. It's the merciful kindness of God. Think about that. That's the, the message of grace. God loves you even though you might not feel lovely and might not be lovely. He loves you because He is love. You don't have to clean yourself up. He loves you anyway. Okay, John chapter 1 verse 16 is really awesome. John chapter 1 verse 16. It says, For of His fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. So grace upon grace. You could say grace heaped upon grace. Undeserved favor, undeserved merit. Heaped upon undeserved merit. Undeserved favor, undeserved blessing. Heaped upon undeserved blessing. Grace with much more grace added to that. That's salvation. It's the good news of the fullness of God coming to dwell in you. That God has lavished His loving kindness upon you that's good news let's go to ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to 8 ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to 8 and while we're going through this i encourage you to think about what stands out for you make note mental note of it if you want to share it later you're welcome but make a note for yourself what this is really impacting me and that's something worth meditating on ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to 8 says but god who is rich in mercy because of his great love with uh, which He loved us. Let me pause there and say this. We've got to think about God's heart and nature when we're reading this. This is how God is with us. Okay? He is rich in mercy. What does that mean? He's not treating you as you deserve. So even on your worst day, God is loving and kind towards you. That's grace. That's mercy. Okay? He's rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So he's saying that before you were anything, before you believed, (coughs) before you, you accepted Him or anything like that, before you thought of Him, you were loved by God. And you still are. And... He made us alive together with Christ, raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So what this is saying is there's nothing that you can do to make God love you, more or less. There's nothing, whether you believe or unbeliever. He loves you. But as an unbeliever, you can't experience that love because you haven't allowed it, you haven't received it, you haven't experienced it. Everything we ever needed has already been provided through Christ. Everything we've needed, it's in the gospel. Romans chapter five, verse one to two. This is something. Also worth looking at in the Passion, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. King James says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So, We've been justified by faith and now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified, meaning just as if we've never sinned. Being made right. Okay, now listen to the passion. Our faith, which is our belief in Jesus, transfers God's righteousness to us. And now he declares us flawless in his eyes. What does this mean? It means that we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. So, we've been made right with God through Jesus, and now we have perfect peace with God. God's never going to be angry with you, ever. Even on your worst day, He's not angry. He's treating you with loving kindness and tender mercies. This kind of grace doesn't make sense. (laughs) <laughs> this grace doesn't make sense to the natural mind. This grace doesn't make sense to the natural mind. You know, because what we understand is performance behavior, performance-based relationships. You do good, you should feel good, and you get rewarded. You do bad, you should feel bad, and you should be punished. That's, what, that's how we operate, right? But now with God, as a, as a child of God, there's consequences to your actions, but not with Him because Jesus paid for that (laughs) there might be natural consequences but there's no spiritual consequences yeah the enemy might come knocking on your door but God didn't send them because of your actions God loves you God God's favors upon you whether you you act like it or not and that's where our hair sometimes starts standing on the back of our, our necks and we start freaking out because it's like that's too good to be true if it sounds too good to be true, it's probably the gospel. It's probably the good news of what Jesus has done for us. Okay? Yeah, know, we, we believe in do good, get good, feel good. But do bad, get bad, feel bad. And that's not the gospel. The feeling of good or bad often becomes our motivation to live and to do, do the right thing or whatever. And every religion believes in that except Christianity. A lot of christians believe that but it's not christianity christianity is you believe right and you made right you know, it, it takes the holy spirit really to help us understand grace because grace is really just uh, uh, um it, it's scandalous it's like wow i didn't deserve this but i get so much of course i was a rich and i get so much of course but you don't know what i've done of course it doesn't matter Then another important word for us to focus on in laying the foundation for the next couple of weeks is law. Because receiving grace takes faith. Okay? I don't know who we were speaking to the other day, but we were saying how grace, God's goodness, his grace is always there. But you don't experience it all the time. Why? Because we don't always believe. And faith accesses his grace faith receives his grace without faith you don't experience his grace every unbeliever in the world has god's grace upon them towards them but they need to believe it in order to enjoy it to receive it to the full but the biggest faith killer is the law and when we use the 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 the, the, the term or the word law we need to to know what this is talking about because there's many different interpretations of it. It means much more than the Ten Commandments. Okay? You can look at it as God's perfect standard. God's standard of perfect performance. The law presumes uh, uh, on the faithfulness of the flesh. So it's focused in on you having to be perfect. Okay. I'm not going to ask who thinks that they're perfect, just in case someone here does think that they're perfect. <laughs> But it's like if you if you if you can't do a self-evaluation and be uh, honest about it ask someone that you you ask your parents or ask uh, your spouse or ask a boyfriend or a girlfriend or ask your neighbor (laughs) ask your 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 lecturer ask your boss i'm sure someone will point out a flaw somewhere some people will be more than happy to do it too i'm sure but the point is is that yeah the law Is focused on the faithfulness of your flesh. Okay? You having to be right. Galatians chapter 3, verse 12 says the law is not of faith. So if you're focused in on the law and trying to live according to the law, you're trying to be perfect before God according to what you do, then you're not in faith. And what does it mean if you're not in faith? You can't enjoy grace. Because faith is what unlocks grace. Okay, so law and faith don't work together. Because, you know, the law is an attempt to reach the goal of perfection through our efforts, which is futile. You know, we often think of, like I said, the Ten Commandments. But there's over 600 commandments which we, don't, we forget about easily. And it's talking about all of that. Okay, it's talking about all of that. The purpose of the law was to provide humanity for all time, uh, 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 to prove to them that um, they can't be perfect, that they couldn't get there. That was the purpose of the law. It wasn't for you to try and follow the Ten Commandments, it was to show you, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to be miserable trying to accomplish this, and you're just going to fail. Okay? Most people would be like, no, I can probably do a pretty good job. I think I can do a pretty good job. That's what the Israelites said, Exodus 19, verse 8. They said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And then you just read the rest of Exodus, and you see how, how, how big a liar they were. Because they just failed again, and they failed again, and then, they, you know, they would fail again. And they just kept doing it again and again. And it's like, um, even there, God was operating in grace. You know, before Moses even came down Mount Sinai, with the, the 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 stone tablets they were already breaking the first commandment <laughs> building a golden calf trying to worship it exodus chapter 20 says you have no other gods before me yeah you, know, you shall not make for yourself a carved image yeah you, know, you usually remember the first thing someone says or the last thing that they say right and so here moses gives the ten commandments they forget the first one already when he's going to get the the new tablets <laughs> the law stops look look at romans chapter 3 the law stops every human from attempting to come to god and give a case for their own righteousness it, it prevents us from being self-righteous it says shut your mouth you're not good enough you need a savior you need someone to rescue romans chapter 3 verse 19 to 20 says now we know that whatever the law says it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped. That's a nice way of saying shut up. <laughs> and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified or made right in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So this is saying that the law could diagnose your, the condition of your heart, could diagnose your condition and say you're a sinner. But it could never cure you. Couldn't cure the disease. The law God's per, is perf, God's perfect standard of righteousness, and it doomed us. It, it doomed us to separation from God. Yeah. We believe in the law for the purpose that God gave the law. We're not against the law. We're not lawbreakers. Okay. We believe in the law. The law is holy. The law is just. The law is good. It cannot make us holy. It cannot make us just. It cannot make us good. What does it do? It shows us that we're not holy, that we're not good, that we're not just. The law is a mirror that shows you that you've got dirt on your face. That you need, you need to be cleaned up, but you can't clean it up. Only Jesus can do that for you. It's really important to see the law for what it is. and The purpose of the law is to point us towards Christ you look at um, Romans chapter 10 verse 4, it says, for Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the conclusion of the law to everyone who believes. So what do you do to not be under the law? You believe. And when you believe now in Christ, it makes you right. And if you're right, you don't need to be told, don't kill. Because now you're under the law of love. And you're operating from that law. There's so many things about the law which we, we're going to get into and which is important for us to focus on. But I'll finish off the law section with this. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So that clearly says you're not under law. You're under Grace. You're not being treated as you deserve. You're being treated better than you deserve. Okay? And this is showing that because you're under grace, you should not be dominated by sin. So if you are being dominated by sin, if sin has a hold on you, then what? You're operating under law. You're not operating under grace. Another word that we have to focus on In this uh, uh, series is flesh yeah we're hopeless and we're helpless if we're left to try and attain perfection by ourselves amen we cannot be perfect by ourselves what we're actually doing if we're trying to be perfect in and of ourselves we're trying to be good people what we're doing is we're, we're putting confidence in our flesh and Paul wrote in Philippians 3 3 put no confidence in the flesh Put no confidence in the flesh so when we are putting confidence in the flesh it's like this it's like a corpse washed cleaned well dressed and you're spraying perfume on the corpse and it it kind of like wears off and you need to put more perfume on and you're trying to to make the flesh look good but you can't give it life so whenever you're trying to be right by your standards your 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 um, goodness your efforts Keep in mind that it's, it's, it's your effort. It's just like perfume on a corpse. It's good for, it's good for a little bit. But it's not going to last. You need the Spirit of God to come in you and give you life to be able to live. Okay? Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Galatians 3, verse 3 says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? So, it, you've you, you, you begun in the Spirit. You've been made right with God by the Spirit, by believing in the Gospel, but now you're suddenly trying to be perfect through the flesh, which you didn't get you about that. We, we, it's by grace through faith that we need to, to, to walk in this. Flesh, in the Greek, word, uh, in the Greek is socks, which denotes our self-effort. So, in other words, Paul is saying, You cannot add to what Jesus did for you. You cannot add to His righteousness. You cannot put your effort there. Stop putting confidence in your ability. That's what He's saying. Doesn't matter how strong-willed you are, your willpower is not enough. Your willpower is not enough to walk in true freedom. Every believer in, in Christ should very easily say goodbye to the law and say so, and and let jesus live in us by his spirit and live through us because now that that's how we live a victorious life it's not by efforts it's no longer i that live but christ lives in me galatians chapter 2 verse 2. so in this series we're going to be talking about identity okay uh, romans chapter 7 verse 6 says but now we have been delivered from the law which means you've been freed from the law. Now we have been delivered from the law, having died to to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So if we live by the letter, which is the law, then we will think that our identity is in what we do. This This is a major point. Your identity is not in what you do. Okay, your identity is not in what you do. If, if we're living under grace, then our identity will be resting in what Christ has done for us. The word identity can basically just mean who a person is. So I, I, I actually had this exact uh, uh, situation once where I was a, a student pastor um, in Stellenbosch years back and um, uh, one of the guys that I was discipling was on his way to play rugby at um, Newlands for the first time. And so he phoned me and he's like, can, you, can I come? Please can you pray for me? I'm nervous. I said, yeah, come. So then he came. We sat in my, my little lounge. And um, I, I don't know what to pray for someone who's nervous like that. I was kind of lost, to be honest. And uh, I, I prayed. I was like, God, you're going to have to give me something here. Because <laughs> I don't know what to say to the guy except... You know be blessed type thing and uh, i felt like god really put on my heart tell him he's not a rugby player <laughs> but he's a son who plays rugby and so i liked that because then i added in a dramatic pause with him too <laughs> so i said you know i've got a word from god for you i said god wants you to know you're not a rugby player And I saw his face drop. And I said, You're a son of God who plays rugby. And his face lifted up and he was like, Wow. And that impacted him. I said, You know, if you lost your arms and your legs today, you can't play rugby, but you're still a child of God. You know, your identity is deeper than what you do. We can we can see that when it comes to profession. We can see that when it comes to profession. But we judge ourselves when we do something wrong, when we sin, we say, I'm just a sinner. But we're not a sinner. We, got, we were a sinner. We got saved by grace. Now we are righteous. We're the righteousness of God. And so, you know, we need to judge ourselves by the Spirit and not by what we do. You know, culture tells us we are what we do. But it's not true. We are what we feel. Don't go there. Okay? Feelings can lie to you. I can't remember who I was talking to recently. I was talking to someone on, on, on uh, WhatsApp and they were saying um, something that I've been trying to tell them for years. <laughs> they said, you know, I, I, I've been um, hanging out with this. They live in another part of the country now. And they said, you know, I've been going paddling with this, this, this guy. And he's really been encouraging me in my identity in Christ. And uh, uh, one of the things he's been encouraging me in is that I am not what I feel. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, I haven't been telling you that for years, have I? But but the awesome thing is he's getting it now. Because he's like, you know, I feel like an idiot. I feel like a loser. I feel like this. I feel like, and I realize it's not who I am. I was like, as long as you're getting it, right? Took you a few knocks, but at least you got there. We decide what we value. So you can choose to value what you feel. Or you can choose to value what God says about you. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. I see great value in you. Uh, uh, you can choose to, to believe what you feel. I'm useless. Or you can choose to feel that God sees you and says, I, you've got purpose. You've got destiny. I've chosen you. You get to, to value what you want to value. Even if you don't value what's valuable. Your feelings will easily lie to you. And so you you can't go by what you feel. We need to go by what God says to us. And the, the beauty of it is John chapter 10 says, my sheep hear my voice. So all we need to do is hear his voice. We need to know what he's saying to us from the word. What is the good shepherd saying to us? Because the good shepherd calls you by name. The good shepherd cares for you. And the Good Shepherd wants to lead you to those green pastures of freedom where there's, there, there's nourishment and there's, there's still waters where you can drink from and be refreshed and you can see your, your reflection and be reminded of who you are. And that's what we have to be focused on. is who we are in Him. Think about it. That, that, that psalm says, He leads me beside still waters. Have you ever been hiking? I went when was it? Yesterday. When did we go? Yesterday? I can still feel it. <laughs> Jamie saw me trying to pick up something earlier. It <laughs> <Just> was like <laughs> Anyway. Um he leads me beside Still Waters. Have you ever drunk from Still Waters while you're hiking? You shouldn't. <laughs> you drink from running water. That's what I learned in Boy Scouts <laughs> is don't drink from still water. Okay, now there might be some still water, which is good, but it's always risky. Okay, I'm sure the, you know, if you go and look it up in some commentaries, the still waters, it's talking about deep waters, number one. But number two, if you look in still waters, you see a reflection. It's not just still waters for still water's sake. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. That's what it says next. How does He refresh my soul with still waters? He gets you to look in the still waters and see a reflection of you. And knowing who you truly are should refresh your soul, your heart, your mind, your will, your intellect. It should refresh your heart. And what happens if your heart is refreshed? What happens if if you've, you've, you've seen your identity in Christ, you've looked in the mirror of the Word, and now you're refreshed? You've got strength. You've got courage. You're able to to, to live out who you are. Because you can't live out who you are if you don't know who you are. You're going to live out who you think you are. I'll say that again. You're never going to live beyond, say it differently, you're never going to live beyond the revelation of who you think you are. And that revelation might be wrong. So many things I could say there. But Father, we thank you. It's easier just to quit. (laughs) Father, we thank you that (laughs) you're a good father. We thank you that you've got so much for us to, to learn in this series about your spirit in us and about who we are in you, about how you see us. I thank you that this journey is going to be a journey of letting go of lies and walking into freedom. Letting go of lies and walking into freedom. Letting go of the lies of who we think we are, who the enemy is trying to tell us who we are, who other people are trying to tell us who we are, and embracing what you say about us, Father. That's true freedom. Thank you, Father, that we're going to see so much fruitfulness in the next couple of weeks. As we discover what you say about us, it'll start to change our thinking and it'll cause us to live in such a great level of freedom, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for the reminder tonight that the message of the gospel is good news of salvation by your grace that this good news of salvation of being rescued is something that we just believe it's not something that we do we just say yes to you thank you that it's something which brings us great joy because it's really good news thank you father Part of the gospel, just with your eyes closed, is that I just really feel strong in my heart to encourage some of you this evening that part of the gospel is that the message is that God's not holding your sin against you. He's not holding anything against you. And part of that is also the fact that God doesn't have a standard that He expects you to live up to. God isn't like some kind of school teacher or parent that is just saying, you can do better than that. You can do better than that. God has come to live inside of you, or wants to if you're not a believer yet, so that you can, he can live through you. And all he wants for you to do is to change your thinking, change your belief. Stop believing the lies and start believing the truth of his love for you, the truth of who he's made you. And I feel like a, a very strongly for someone like God's wanting you to know you're not condemned. There's something that you've done and, and I just, just, just feel you like kind of just feeling this weight of condemnation on you. And God's saying you are free from that. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, Any man is in Christ, the, uh, for, for, uh, what does it say? It says, therefore, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. God's just wanting you to know you're not condemned. You're not unfit for use you're not guilty he wants you to 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 know your innocence be refreshed in the truth of jesus making you a new if you're ever in the cape town area we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.